0: You and in, in the music team tonight and lead us into worship. I pray that uh, everyone's heart, hearts are prepared, Lord God, to hear you and your message that you have through me tonight. Father, override my preparation, Lord God. Let you and you alone speak through me. And I pray that the Holy Spirit and all your people, Lord God, be the one to give them the clarity and understanding of your message for them. And I pray, Lord, for the soul that you brought here tonight that still needs to make that decision to surrender to you as their Lord and Savior. May this be the evening, Father, that they will come to that decision. And I pray for the children and the Sunday school teachers. I pray, pray for blessings for them, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that the children will continue to fall in love with you as they learn more about you. And I pray for wisdom for the teachers and patience for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to your classrooms. Um Sunday school teachers, God bless you. Thank you for um, your service to God's people. And uh, in this church, we've always embraced the fact that we are here to train the next church. That's why uh, we're following uh, our founding pastor's uh, training, where he did that before, too. There's always a youth Sunday worship. Um, We're just waiting for uh, the next teacher in that um, the young adults or <laughs> the youth leader to um, step into that calling. I am excited about the message tonight, so I'm going to need your prayer. Because whenever I'm excited, I tend to talk too much or uh, <laughs> give too many examples. Um, and then I miss the point. So hopefully I don't do that this evening. I titled our message tonight... Sorry. Blue or the red pill? If you guys are a fan of the Matrix movie, you know exactly this, this scene there when Nebuchadnezzar was giving it to the main character, Neo, and he said, do you want the red pill or the blue pill? The blue pill will keep you in the illusion that you are in. The red pill, you will embrace the truth. You re- remember? I don't know if you guys have watched it. For those who you have it, I don't know what's, what's wrong with you, but uh, <laughs> this is from that one pill... Keeps them in the illusion that they are in the real world, but yet they were actually being programmed by the computers. And the other pill is to reveal to them and to live in the truth that they are in a war against the computers. Isn't Isn't that the same for our lives here? In the whole world, as soon as the the moment that you step out of your parents' house, real life happened, right? (laughs) Real life happened because we thought we knew everything, And everything was cozy, right? Our dirty laundry, we put it in that basket, and it comes back clean and folded. Magic. It was magic. It was like powerful. Oh, my goodness, right? We'll go to work, and we don't got to worry about paying bills. We just have to worry about what's the next shoe to buy, right? What's the next best shirt to buy? What's the next thing for my car to buy, right? The biggest thing for me at that time was my car, I cleaned that car three times a day. <laughs> it was white. By the time I was done, it was black. <laughs> removed the, the paint from it. <laughs> you know, Things that are important to us that we think are, are there, but then when reality hits, for most of us Filipinos, when you go home to the Philippines, you're in an illusion. You're drinking the red pill. You're on the red pill. Things are well. Everybody loves you. You're the star. Everybody, everything is, is affordable. Then you come back to the States. Nobody cares who you are. Don't, they don't even know your name. And nobody cares if you can buy this or buy that for them. All right? There's, there's reality and there's illusion. All right? And then both are, if you are faced with this, you're faced to make a choice because life is made out of choices. It's made out of choices. And for the followers of Jesus Christ here we know that our Christian life or walk is full of choices. Did you know that it's I don't know how true but some studies uh, somebody studied it and on an average people make 70 decisions a day. 70 decisions a day. That's 490 decisions a week. Almost 2000 decisions a year. <laughs> Wait, is my math right? No. (laughs) So, okay. Wait, wait. 490 per week, 1,090 per month, 23,000 per year. That's a lot of decisions, don't you agree? 70 decisions in a day, that's a lot of decisions and if you have a supervisor job or you own a business or you have a very important thing, all the more you're making more decisions. If you have difficult parents, if you have difficult children, uh, you're faced with many tough decisions. Correct? Okay, don't say amen because you might be sitting right next to them. We make choices constantly, right? And our lives, as we know it, is an accumulation or a sum of the choices we've made. Or someone else. For the young people here, your lives are, is an accumulation of the decisions your parents have made for you. And praise God, if you're living a co- comfortable life, Oh, praise God, you better thank your parents. You better thank your parents. If you drove here, if you drove here from your house to the church, praise God that you made that right decision to buy yourself a car. And if you're still making payments, praise God for the the job, the decision that you're you're doing there. Because some people made bad decisions, continue to make bad decisions. Some have made the decision not to come to church anymore because they blame God for the decisions for, for the results of their lives, they blame God. The easy person to blame when things are going wrong is God. The first person we always blame is God. Oh, things are not going well with my marriage. I mean, I thought God can do everything. My, my children, I went to church with them. I brought them to church. Why are they making bad decisions all of a sudden? I thought God was powerful. I thought nothing was impossible with Him. Right? God is the first person that we blame. It's a decision that we also make. Right? So as, 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 as that, as your, let that be your backdraft, and then let's start with a verse before I go over my time. <laughs> the first point is Galatians 6-7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, we are our church is in a journey. We're uh, studying the book of Galatians, and we are almost done with the book of Galatians. When the people said, Amen. All right. <laughs> and for, for our members who haven't been coming uh, for a long time because you want Galatians to be over, not quite, not quite, not quite. To be in the right context here, this is Paul speaking, Okay. He is still in the context of talking to the church in Galatia regarding their need to support the church financially. Okay? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. So look at that and think about what he was talking about. He was talking about the church need to support their church leader financially. He then brings this statement that God cannot be mocked. In the original language, mocked means... To turn up a nose or sneer at, you know, like like a snob, right? Uh, the, the original language is, I'm going to give it a shot, Mokterizo, Mokterizo. Okay, all right. <laughs> give myself a D. <laughs> give myself a D, all right? So have you, been, have you been deceived? Yeah. If you live in this world, probably. I've been deceived, and how does that feel? doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good, right? Sometimes the worst thing is we've deceived people, right? If you have a cell phone, you've been deceived many times <laughs> because you thought your plan was a certain thing and then all of a sudden you're over your plan because they didn't tell you the right thing. But here Paul is saying, do not be deceived. He's basically telling us, that don't fool ourselves because our God cannot be mocked. You can't lie to God. You can't fake God. You can't fake things to God. God can see your heart. He's the person that sees the heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, 10 reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Paul seemed to be addressing the Galatian church who are making excuses of not being being able to supply for the need of their church leaders. Maybe some are are, are pretending that they're giving their all. Maybe some are pretending they're giving, but they're really not giving at all. And then, you know, we we can all say, well, God knows. God knows I can't afford to give. God knows I can't afford to help. The truth is, you're right. God knows. So you better be sure that you are right with the Lord, that your heart is in the right place. It doesn't matter if you put something in this basket. What matters is is where your heart is at that time. Is it for show, for people to say, oh, he gave again. My gosh, he's such a giver. Or is it? right, Sometimes there, we have to catch ourselves. We have to catch ourselves. Am I giving for their approval, or am I giving for God's approval? And I was just telling our a person here earlier that I said that we try as a church, we try to accommodate everybody. There is a pressure for me as a pastor. There's pressure for me to accommodate everybody. Who do I speak to? Who do I make my message to? Do I I make it to to, uh, fit the young people or the older people? Do I try to fit it to the mature believers or to the baby believers? Because there's also pressure of growth. And when there's growth, do I say the hard things about the church, about God, or do I not say it and give them the milk and be likable? There's pressure. There's that tension. I'm not going to lie to you. But then, but then, praise God for this, because, you know, every now and then I get, I get lucky. I make the right decision every now and then. I get it once a week. so <laughs> I just concentrate that I, am, I have an audience of one, and that is Jesus Christ. I need to be right with the Lord. And folks, we need to be right. All of us need to be right with the Lord, first and foremost, before we try to be right with each other. Because God is, if we love God, then we will love others correctly. Correctly. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Right? God cannot be mocked. In my early days of my walk with the Lord, sadly, and so there are times now, that I find that I find it that it's very difficult for me to continue to walk with the Lord, despite the knowledge, despite the things that I already know about Him. It's difficult. There's that tension. We're all going to agree. We're all going to be honest. We all have that tension. It does not matter how much you know about God and His will. There will always be that tension. Who do I please? Do I please myself Or do I please the spirit that is in me? Correct? There is that part. That's a choice again. That many believers sometimes fail. Right? We always say that we are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. Do we agree? And there are spiritual landmines all over the place. You know, if you're in a relationship, there's always a landmine, right? Right? You don't have to be married. You don't have to be married. But there's a lot of landmines in the marriage. <laughs> there's a lot of landmines in the marriage. We're all in a relationship. And sometimes we step into those landmines, landmines that we don't see. And all of a sudden, it's just either we blow up, we lose our, our, our temper. Because somebody said the wrong thing or somebody didn't say the right thing to us. Or didn't do the right thing to us. And we decide, we choose we choose to act on that. You know, the other thing, too, is there's many, many believers of Jesus, or professing believers of Jesus, are not followers of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a difference, right? The, 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 Jesus said, you say you believe in God, but even the demons believe that there is God. So believing in God alone isn't enough. I know we call us believers, believers of Jesus Christ, Christians, little Christ, but are you a follower of Christ? That again is the choice that we all make and do not be deceived. I know that that was for the financial part, but I'm going to use it for this part. Do not be deceived. Don't fool yourself. God cannot be mocked. God knows your heart. God knows why you didn't share the gospel at that moment when you had the opportunity. God knows. It's not because you're just, oh, I just want to plant the seed part. No, because you were more worried about your reputation rather than sharing the truth to that person. You didn't want to shake the boat. God knows it. God knows it. And God knows it when you you pushed when you push the truth and you, say, and you were like, you weren't knocking on their heart. You were kicking the door in their heart. And God knows it's just because you lost your temper. You have had enough of it. God knows it too. So do not be deceived, folks. God cannot be mocked. God knows why you're not following Him. Truly. God knows why you're not faithful in whatever He is calling you to do. And whatever you have said, oh yeah, I'll be at church all the time, Lord. Just answer this prayer. I'll be there on time, 365 days a week. God knows. God knows if that's true. Even before you miss your first service, even before you try to put that, those pants lazily, like, oh my gosh. Why does that, why does, why do our church start at 5.15? Can't our church start in the morning? Because it's better, you know, I take, P, I, I could take my family out to lunch afterwards. And then, let's say this, I switch to church to 9 o'clock, guess what you're going to be saying? Gosh, why is our church so early? <laughs> right? Why is the church too far? Why is it the church too near? <laughs> I don't like this church because they see me at the grocery store. And I don't like that. I want to go to one over instead so nobody knows me. There's multiple excuses, multiple reasons that we can say and we can do. But God knows, right? One thing I know about my brothers and sisters that are Filipinos, we will never miss our flight to the Philippines. There's no way in the world... Rain, snow, tornado, we're making it to San Francisco. We're going to drive through that pass. We're going to make it because I'm going home no matter what. (laughs) I didn't pay $600 for this and miss my flight to the Philippines. I miss my homeboys there. I'm making it. But then when it comes to church. Do not be deceived. Don't fool yourselves. God cannot be mocked. God knows. And you know what? To the next point. Galatians 6, 7. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You plant coconut trees, you'll get coconut. And then bunot for Filipinos. After you eat it, we'll use it as a scrub. <laughs> right? We get the oil. We're Filipinos. We use everything. You know? We use that as a coconut husk for it to shine the floor. We use the oil to massage things, and then we eat the fruit. <laughs> right? We use everything. You can't plant a coconut tree and expect mangoes. Right? Oh, but we do it with our spiritual life, folks. We do it with our spiritual life. We pray a two-minute prayer with all the Christianese, with all the jargons, Our Heavenly Father, God, the creator of Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please protect me as I drive to work and from work. Bless my family, bless my children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Covered that part. Check. And that's it. That's as much as Christian you are for the rest of the day. That's the time that you talk to God, that you depend on, the God that you say you believe on. That's, that's it. You gave him two minutes. You connect with Him for two minutes, and you try to do Bible studies. You try. We try Bible studies. Right, Brother Richard? We try. If we had a choice, we won't do Bible studies too, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. are t- The teachers, the leaders, the ones that are mature in faith, our desire is that everybody falls in love with the Lord as much as we are. Because we know that if you're following God, because God is trying to what? God's word is trying to protect us from this world. Because we are in a spiritual warfare. I love watching movies, you know, that are the war movies. I used to remember the Tour of Duty, that show, Tour of Duty. So, I forgot the words, obviously, in GMA 7. But. It's it's whenever somebody gets shot. You know when somebody gets shot? Two or three of them ends up not fighting and trying to take care of the guy who gets wounded. That's what happens with our church. That's what happens with our spiritual life. The enemy cannot kill us. He cannot take our salvation. What he can do is wound us spiritually. He's trying to Wound us so that two or three people will try to tend to you and not be able to forward and advance the kingdom because they're there tending to you. And There's nothing wrong with the tending part. There really isn't. But the point is, that person that got wounded has all the responsibility of this truth. A man reaps what he sows. God is never changing. You cannot change God's mind. God is the same from the beginning, and He's the same in the end. The principle of this stands. It stands. If you're a lazy person, you're going to be poor. You're going to be hungry. You better wish that you have a rich parent. Right? Or rich as a parent. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You better wish that you have a parent that will take care of you. Parents. Parents, our fault is this, mostly the women, right? Mostly women. Okay. Maybe my, wow, I made a mistake. That was my choice. <laughs> Bad choice. Now, most of the time, for parents, when the kids forget their 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 lunch or their ba'on, right? This happens. They forget their baon, they forget their books, you know. They'll call you and they're like, I forgot my lunch. And what do we do? And I say, I say mostly moms, because the moms, oh, Anna, there's no way. She can't imagine Alonzo going hungry. <laughs> she rushes to school, brings the ba'o that they forgot. She changes her schedule so that she can bring it over there. For me, Alonzo can afford to be hungry just so he can <laughs> learn his lesson. He's a big boy. He can, hun- he can handle one lunch with no lunch, because how do we teach them, right? How are we teaching them if we're always trying to correct their mistake? They need to feel the effect, right? There's cause and effect. What you, a man reaps what he sows. If our children are not being responsible now, as young people, they're not going to be responsible later. And if we're trying to to shoulder their responsibilities, guess what's going to happen? You're going to do it for your whole life, and you're going to be complaining to me. Ah, Joe, my son never does anything. Well, let me see, because you do everything for him. Right? Same thing with the spiritual world. Same thing with our spiritual life. If you are not tending to your spiritual needs, which is mainly studying the Word, listening, going to Bible studies, listening to to messages, feeding your soul that was always hungry for it. The Holy Spirit will never have enough of God's Word. We can watch a Netflix binge, right? Netflix binge for how many shows? How many shows have you finished with Netflix in the past month. And how many times have you read the Bible during that time? You reap what you sow. You sow what you reap. (laughs) Wait, you reap what you sow. There you go. Praise God I got notes. The, The enemy who is the father of liars continues to lie to people with this. Your decisions, that you, choices you make now will not affect you later. A lot of young people fall for that trap. A lot of young people fall for that trap. I'm still young. I'm still young. I could be a bonehead, right? I could be a bonehead for now. I'm only 16. I'm only 15. I'm only 24. I'm only 32. I'm only 42. <laughs> That's the biggest lie that the world has bought. Your decisions today will not affect you tomorrow. Because it will. The people with gray hair here, we all know that that's the truth. There's two ways to learn, right? You learn from listening, and you learn from experience. And experience is a vicious teacher, it's a vicious teacher. The law of gravity is the same, right? We all know the law of gravity. But if somebody here says, mainly maybe the young adults or the young people, they'll say, I'm Superman, Joe. How can you be Superman? I'm going to fly. I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to fly off the silver legacy, the highest building here in town. Maybe the nugget. I'm not sure. But the top, top, high, enough that they can fly. And I'll wear a red brief on top, on top of my, my, <laughs> my pants and I'll put a cape on and I'm Superman. And I say, dude, you're going to get hurt. probably going to die. Don't you know the law of gravity? And he says, no, I believe I'm Superman. I believe I'm Superman. He jumps off, splat, right? <laughs> splat. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter if he believed in the law of gravity. Right? It didn't matter. It didn't matter if we were persuading him, trying to give him evidence of it, because he was stubborn, right? He believed in something that was wrong and he tried to defy a principle, which is the law of gravity. Same with reaping what you sow. If you are going to plant good things for the Lord with your relationship with the Lord, if you're going to listen to him, if you're going to read the word and apply the word, you're going to reap the rewards of it. And the opposite of it is true. How about the sex part? The relationship part on that? Some young, most of the young people cannot wait on that part. They want to have sex outside marriage. And the Bible is very clear that, this, that sex, hey, those are, are appetites. Appetites are from God. Let me just get that clear. The appetite for sex is from God. The appetite of hunger is from God. The appetite to succeed is from God. That's all God given. Sin corrupts those appetites. Sin corrupts those appetites. That we have. So sex is good, but corrupted with sin, it becomes wrong. So the young people here that cannot wait, I want to have sex right now. Guess what happens? You continue to do that lifestyle, you will have unwanted pregnancy for the girls, you will have child support for the boys. <laughs> for the cheap guys who are like, oh man, that's what I don't like, then don't have sex as a marriage. For the other ones, you'll have sexually transmitted disease. The people that have AIDS are the ones, the promiscuous ones. How about the money part? There's nothing wrong with that. If you do everything as God designed it, according to God's will, you will succeed too. But there are many people that that will, will sway. They will go the wrong way so they can make money and be successful. So there's everything. It can up, it, this applies to agricultural. This applies in business. This applies in our relationships. If you're focused so much on making money and then your marriage is failing, guess why? You're reaping what you're sowing. If your relationship with your children are failing because you're spending so much time in making money, You're reaping what you're sowing. It's not, you can't change it. Do we all know Ernest Hemingway? He's a Nobel Prize winner for literature in 1950. And he was admired by the whole world then and for some up to now. This is a letter from his mother in 1920 that illustrates how completely he, he, Ernest Hemingway, had divorced himself from his beliefs from their beliefs, because his parents are Protestants. It says, I'm quoting, Unless you, my son Ernest, come to yourself, cease your lazy loafing and pleasure-seeking, stop trading on your handsome face and neglecting your duties to God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. There is nothing for you but bankruptcy. You have overdrawn. That's his mo- a letter from his mother. And here's a snippet from an article that was written by him during, um, uh, in the Playboy magazine. Let me, I'm reading. Hemingway told a a writer for Playboy magazine in 1956 that, quote-unquote, what is immoral is what you feel bad after. By his own standard then, he was a man of unimpeachable morals. Nothing made him feel bad. People with different ideas about morality would call him a sinner. The article continued, And the wages of sin, they say, is death. Hemingway has cheated death. Time and time to become a scarred and bearded American legend, a great white hunter, a husband of four wives, and a winner of Nobel and Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prizes. Sin has paid off. For Hemingway. They wrote this in 1956. So they're basically applauding his lifestyle. They were applauding his decisions. They were saying, oh man, his decisions paid off. He's happy. He's well known. He has the Pulitzer and he has the Nobel. But guess what? Six years later or five years later, after that article was published, Hemingway committed suicide. He used a shotgun and shot his head off. And here's the next article in the same magazine. Ten years later, in a review of the book Papa Hemingway, in the same magazine, the account of Hemingway's life is a chronicle of repeated suicide attempts, paranoia, multiple affairs and marriages, and finally on his return to Ketchum, Idaho, in his hideaway there, his final and successful suicide attempt. How haunting and ironic the words written earlier about this man became. Ultimately, sin did indeed indeed pay off for Ernest Hemingway. Folks, our life is a bunch of choices. It's a bunch of choices. God's word for us believers and for the world is there to protect us. It's there to protect us. We are being protected by God by the lies of the enemy. But yet the enemy is twice as busy giving us all these lies. Oh, your wife's not changing? Leave her. Leave her. There's a better girl over there. Did you see that one at church? (laughs) Your husband is terrible. Divorce him. Did you see that guy at church? Right? There's always those lies that the enemy throws our way. But then, what, what does the Bible say? God hates divorce. Oh, but Joe, you don't know how much hurt he has put in me. And God says, forgive as I have forgiven you. Uh, dude, I, ca- I can't handle it. Well, God said, I can do all things. Right? Paul said, God said, through Paul said, I can do all things, including forgiving your spouse through Christ who strengthens me. I get it. Forgiving is the most, one of the most difficult things to do. Do we agree? Especially if we're the one offended. It's reverse. If we're the, if we're the offender, oh my gosh, I hope she'll practice grace and forgiveness. But then if we're offended, we're like, this is it. I'm done. You reap what you sow. Who do you live for? Galatians 6, 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Believers, young and old. That you, for the young and old that have this mentality, it's just one shot. It's just one time. It's not my lifestyle. You know about the one degree principle? You guys know about the one degree principle? Our founding pastor was a, a, a pilot, and I shared a lot of walks with him. And whenever he gives me illustrations about flying, I was always he always got my attention. He didn't always have my attention, but <laughs> during these, honestly, during these times, though, I, he had it. But there's this one degree principle in flying a plane. If you are one degree off, it won't matter that much if it's only for the first five minutes. However, if you are one degree off and you've traveled 600 miles, then you will be 60 miles off target. So imagine you're supposed to go to New York, right, and your pilot didn't know that you were one degree off, the plane was one degree off. Six, after 60 miles, you're already well, um, 600 miles, you will be 60 miles off target. If you traveled 6,000 miles and with one degree off, you will be 100 miles off target. So you might not see much, folks, one degree, right? You still got the ninety-nine degrees, right? Or for the people here that knows the ninety-six degrees, but the, the you still got ninety-nine degrees. You're thinking, oh, it's only one show. You're thinking, oh, it's only one time I hang out with them. I was in the I was in a wedding this this week. Uh, Anna and I were in the wedding this week, and the groom there asked me to take a shot with him because, you know, <laughs> the. the I'm being recorded, hopefully. Well, anyway, the the message, the the, the whole service, the ceremony only lasted five minutes. To a point I missed it because we were late. Actually, four minutes. Jamie's saying it's four minutes. And we missed it because we were late. (laughs) Four minutes, no more ceremony. And then the speech, there was only three speeches. Basically, the whole evening or afternoon was kind of dry. It got lively when it was shots time shot 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 they were like oh my gosh everybody's getting up they were finally getting into their groove. that's their element they were getting like oh my gosh finally they were in their element they were finally happy their room was finally happy and they asked me the groom asked me take one shot I only get married once And I said no nah, dude I, I can't I'm here for you though I'm here I got to take your picture. (laughs) I took their picture. I took their video. And then then the groom again goes, dude, I just want want a little bit of the old you. Just a little bit. Can you give me that? Just tonight. Just give me one shot. It's my wedding. And I go, bro, if you need counseling, (laughs) if you need prayer, I'm here. I'm your boy. (laughs) And he goes, no, I want the old you. What do you mean? I'm here. No, I want the old you. I can't drink anymore. I don't want to drink anymore. <laughs> one shot, one affair, one nightstand, one something. You have to consider the effects of it. That one degree principle can ruin things. That one nightstand with your coworker will ruin your marriage. That one night stand with your coworker will ruin your children. That divorce that's about to happen, that one decision that because you don't want to do it anymore, it will ruin lives. Down to your grandchildren. You don't even know it yet, but it will. I'm a product of a broken family. And I dread holidays up to now. I don't like holidays because there's always argument. Who are you going to spend the holiday with? <laughs> Now I'm like, you guys come to my house. (laughs) If you want to be with me, come to the house. Every decision we make affects everything. Affects one person in a big or small way. A sin is heavy. Don't let the enemy's lie tell you, it's okay. Surely you won't die. Surely you won't die. It's just one Sunday. You can miss church. It's just one game. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different from what it was before you are slowly turning the central thing either into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. Don't you agree? Yes. The first person who gets affected with a lie is the liar himself. The first person that gets affected with the sin is the sinner himself. But then our testimony gets ruined, right? Our testimony gets ruined, our children gets ruined, our marriages get ruined, we get ruined. Remember David? When David decided to, to, to sleep with Bathsheba, that one night stand with Bathsheba ended up being what? He then committed murder, right? Murder that led to a coup, right? Everything was ruined because of a one degree decision. Now, folks, to which are you, to whom are you living for? If you are a follower of Christ, right, if you are a believer, you're a believer of Jesus Christ. For you to know Jesus Christ, you need to study His Word. You need to be a church and learn from the Word. You need to be praying. You need to be reading your Word. You need to be living for Him in order for you to know what to live for. What God wants from you, what God doesn't want for you, in order for you to know those things, you need to do these things. Now the question is, who do you live for? Are you still living for your fleshly desires? Are you still living for that, that retirement? That retirement in the Philippines or in the Florida Keys, right? That comfortable life more than living for God? Are we still waiting until you retire before you serve God? Because that's just a bunch of excuses. Do we agree? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. If God is telling you one thing, that, th- that thing to, to do is now. We don't say later. I get that all the time. So, do the dishes. Later. I'm like, come on. I'm <laughs> All right? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, <laughs> you didn't ask for that permission, Dad. <laughs> I asked for a different permission. I'm sorry, Zoe. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but here, who do you live for? Romans 8.14 reads, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Bible is very clear. If you have accepted Christ and you say that He is Lord, you are His children, right? And you are, you there's a proof. You are being led by the spirit. We've discussed the fruits of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, right? Every single part of that fruit of the spirit. We've discussed it. We've also discussed every single part of the sinful nature. We covered it. So now are you being led by the spirit? Are you living for the spirit? Or are you still living in your sinful nature? Learn from Jacob and Esau. I have five minutes. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Once, <laughs> you guys remember Jacob and Esau, the story of Jacob and Esau. Those of you who don't know the story of Jacob and Esau, please raise your hand. All right, real quick. Jacob and Esau are twins. It took 20 years for Rebekah to get pregnant, the, the wife of Isaac. It took 20 years for these kids, Jacob and Esau, to come out. Esau was the first one of the twins, and he came out red. That's why his name's Esau, red, right, or hairy. And then Jacob is named Jacob because it means grabbing. He grabbed the heel or deceiver. That's why they're named. So don't name your children Jacob, unless somebody's named Jacob here. I like your name. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even though why I went there. All right. And then here, this is the scene when Esau was hungry. Esau was hungry. The appetite. He sold his birthright for a lentil stew. And I found out that the lentil stew is the worst stew in the Middle East. It has no taste. So (laughs) look at that. In that context, look at that. Esau gave his birthright for that appetite of his. Folks, again, there's nothing wrong with the appetite. We all get hungry. We all feel the urge of sex the need for sex, the need for success. We all have those urges. Sin corrupts those appetites. Those urges are being corrupted by sin. Here, Esau could care less. He said, what good is my birthright to me? And this is actually not true. He was probably, he was probably lying here. He knew, you know what the birthright meant in, in the Middle East, right? You will inherit more for being the, the eldest the pangana is here, right? It's not true for us, for the Filipinos. More responsibility maybe, yeah. But there's more, more, more. You're going to be the leader. You're going to be the leader of your clan and you're going to be the priest. You're going to be the spiritual leader of your family. That's, the, that's what he was giving for. Jacob, you know, Jacob really has toyo, you know. He's really a deceiver. It's like, uh, before I give this to you, sell me your birthright. Magulang, you know? he's very, he's a parent. <laughs> he's very deceiving. Because everybody here, oh, I want some soup. You know, my brother will ask for, my brother asked for my kidney. I said, here, when do you want it? <laughs> this guy's give me your birthright first. Because he was really deceiving. So there's two choices that was made here. One choice was he gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup. The other one deceived his brother by taking that birthright. And we know what happened, right? What happened to Jacob after he deceived his? Jacob got deceived too. Jacob got deceived by Laban, right? After he deceived Laban too, but then Laban deceived him too. And he was deceived by his children. When he deceived his father, pretending he was Esau, he wore a, the skin of an animal. What did his children do to him? They brought in Joseph's uh, uh, clothes, robe, with the blood of an animal. Same thing happened to him. He was also deceived. You reap what you sow. And Esau, Esau, even in tears, look at this. Let's skip that. See, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. Who? For a single meal sold his inheritance, rights to as an oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. He came to his father. Father, give me something. Just give me a little bit. Don't let everything go to, jo- go to Jacob in tears. But couldn't be done. Couldn't be done. We have to watch our appetites. We have to let God control our appetite. We have to live and be led by the Spirit. Because if we give in, if we give in with that sin, it corrupts it and it affects us first to a point of no return, to a point of regrets. And then how about Jacob's rewards? You know, because of Esau giving out his birthright, this is Esau's consequences, but it became Jacob's rewards. Look at Matthew 22, 32. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Esau is not in the picture because Esau gave his birthright for a bowl of soup. And look, Matthew 1, to 1-2, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. Guess who was specially mentioned there? Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Jesus came from the line of Jacob. The privilege you lost. Folks, when you give in to your appetite and you give in to that sin, you will, lo- you will lose the privilege to be used by God. You will lose the privilege. I say privilege. I use that word privilege because it is. God doesn't need any of us to advance His kingdom. God doesn't need us to advance His kingdom. God can use other ones, other people who are more than willing to be used by Him. So don't think just because you're serving in this church that you are now entitled for God's blessing. No, you are actually blessed by serving being given the opportunity to serve Jesus in one way or another. Now, if you are not faithful, if you will take it for granted, it will be taken from you. It's the same for me, and Anna. I was just telling Anna and I, God doesn't need us. If we're gonna act entitled, if we're gonna think that God, that God needs us in that church, that we we walk as if if we're not there, it's not gonna happen. It, It will fail. My heart's going to be in the wrong place. And same goes for everybody here that serves. If we take our birthright for granted, we will lose the opportunity and the privilege. Now, the question is, what is your bowl of soup? What is your bowl of soup? What is that thing? What is that thing that you are willing to give up your birthright for? Because you are a child of God. By adoption, you're already, you belong to God. What is that bowl of soup for you? Is it sex? Is it money? Is it success? What is that bowl of soup that looks so enticing to a point that you will forget all the goodness of God that He has given you time and time again? What is that bowl of soup for you? Folks, no matter what it is, I'm telling you, that soup is not worth it. It's not worth it. 2 Corinthians 5, 9-10. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's for the believers If you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you will see Jesus in the judgment seat. The great white throne is for the unbelievers. The judgment seat of Christ discusses the good works that you have done. The good works that you have done for God. He will will show it to us and He will reward us based on that. And the things that were done for ourselves, it will burn. But the ones that we have done for Him, it will count for something. So that each of us may receive what is due Us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. If you are spending your life for your flesh, if you are spending your money for temporal things, it has a limit. It has an ending. And it will never completely satisfy you. But if you are investing your time for God, and if you are investing your time and money for God, and your life for God, there is eternal rewards now and forevermore. That's just the truth. It's the truth. Your lentil soup, the soup that doesn't even taste like anything, okay, it doesn't taste like anything. It's not worth it, folks. You know of this hymn. Um, Let me read it to you. It says, Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please Him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. Living for Jesus who died in my place, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace. Such love constrains me to answer His call. Follow His leading and give Him my all living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in His holy name, willing to suffer affliction and loss, deeming each trial a part of my cross, living for Jesus through earth's little while, my dearest treasure, the light of His smile, seeking the lost ones He died to redeem, bringing the weary to find rest in Him. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For thou in thy redemption did give thyself for me. I own no other master. My heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live. O Christ, for thee alone. Do you sing that same hymn in your heart? Do you sing that same hymn in your heart and in your mind? Do you live that him? If you haven't made it to that point, you're still believing the lie that all these other things is more important. But it's not. It has an ending. All relationships have an ending. The people that you're in a relationship with, they will disappoint you. You will disappoint them. But God never disappoints. God never fails. You will fail. Your your wife, your husband, they will fail you. Your children will fail you. Your parents will fail you. But God will never fail you. You look at money, you're worshiping money, money will go away. You just need to be sick and you can't work anymore. Your investments, you're relying on your investments, the market just needs to crumble down and your money's gone. But God never fails. Amen? Be not deceived. God cannot be mocked, folks. You will reap what you sow. But live for Jesus. And you will find the satisfaction that you've been looking for in this world. Not in that bowl of soup of yours. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for your people, Lord God, who are here. I thank you for them, Lord God, who are faithfully listening to you and yielding to your word. I pray for blessings for them, Lord God. I pray for those, Lord God, who still have that that issue with their relationship with you in regards to their obedience, Father. I pray that this will be the evening, Lord God, that they will surrender and give up their carnal nature and live for you, Lord God, and be led by the Spirit. And I pray for blessings for them as well. I pray for growth for everyone that is here, Lord God, tonight. I pray for blessings for them and their families. And I, pray, I pray for that soul, Lord God, that wants to surrender their life to you but is unsure. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage and the clarity that they need you, Father, in their lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing hymn. If you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord, please come up so we can lead you to that prayer. Or if you want to be a part of this body because you've been visiting us and you agree with all our doctrines and you feel like God is leading you to be a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, you're struggling struggling in life or you're sick and you need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you.